listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab podcast. I have Kaluka here. In one line, give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund. Kalika Weissman. I am a principal at Creative Ventures. So what inspired you to become a VC or an investor? Hopefully that's not a one-line answer. Oh, no. Might you can have more than one line. That. <laughs> uh, so I started off in finance. Always wanted to do more building. Kemi Wharton undergrad, and then decided to do a little bit of a 360, went full on. I am going to build new things. I decided to do my PhD in microbiology. Moved out to California for that. Switched back and forth a little bit between finance and tech, but I think I definitely have found a good overlap between the two. So now I'm doing deep tech investment for early stage companies. So what is your definition of deep tech? I think everyone has slightly different definition about that. So that is really short in my mind. And I think folks who invest in the space for anything that requires advanced technology. So think of a technology, perhaps something that has been developed in a lab for five, seven years, very much IP based. Uh, that's that's the definition in my mind, very much technology agnostic. It could be Material science engineering could be biotechnology, could be robotics, AI, and so on. But I think the common threat there is it's advanced technology and IP-based. We're chatting a little bit about your thesis. So what is your thesis and the motivation behind the thesis? Why are you targeting early stage deep tech companies? Touching on the thesis, we're primarily, actually, we solely invest in deep tech companies but slightly different approach. So we look at it from market macro trends perspective. So things that are already problems today inevitably will be getting worse over time. We believe there are a plethora of problems waiting to be solved already. There's no need to be predicting what the next big problems would be in the future. So among those themes are the first one is based on climate change. I don't think any of us can deny that. So anything that opportunities, problems, how you ever like to phrase that arises from climate change. So that's one. The second and third themes are based on aging population. So from there, inevitably, you have uh, fewer people who want to work certain jobs. So labor shortage is a big problem. Well, fund has been around since 2016 and we've been investing in labor shortage theme ever since the beginning as well. And I think it had really surfaced itself as 
major problem in our society in the past few years, more so than before. So labor automation is the second one. And the last one is addressing rising healthcare cost. So obviously with aging population, more chronic diseases result in unproportionately high healthcare costs as we progress. Those are very much market-first, problem-based investment thesis, but we look for mm-hmm. deep tech solutions for them. And the reason why this is a, a good inter- a good intersection, and I think it, it, there's no better time than now, is there are a lot of problems out there today that unfortunately just a software solution, as mighty as they are, are just not sufficient um, to address them. So I think some of these key macro trends, climate, labor, automation, and health require deep tech solutions. We don't just pick deep tech because it's the hardest one to do, but we think it's inevitable. Well, that's awesome. We also have a fund as well, and we also believe that as well. And so we look at deep tech very similarly, that these are going to solve some very hard problems. And we also look at it as going to be all infrastructure. We're looking at ChatGPT, AI. AI is fairly ubiquitous, and now ChatGPT is making it even more ubiquitous. It's already out there, and now what's the evolution of that? And how do we become more efficient and effective in all the things that we do? So we, I think we're aligned in that way because these technologies will become all infrastructure at some point. Yeah, absolutely, and I think infrastructure is... A really interesting space. And I'm glad you you brought up AI and some of these tools. I think from day one, and it's similar with any kind of tech-based tools, right? AI is a tool. So yeah. I get the hype, but I think at the end of the day, it depends on what it's being used for. What are the problems that are prime for them to solve? So yeah, similar to AI, Synbio, all these Tech tools, I think they hold a lot of promises, but unfortunately they uh, won't get far unless they are specific problems or solving that people are willing to pay for. Correct. What is your practical use case? Practical use case? No, I'm just saying that's the, pra- that's the question. Like, what's the practical use case? Because like you said, who's going to pay for these things? Yeah, Chat B- ChatGPT came out free initially. Now they're trying to put a business model around it. So, did they? How much conversion did they get? How much churn are they going to get? And it's nice to ask it questions, but what other problems can it solve? And then how big is its corpus? And then how big is its dictionary? And then are we really training it, or like how is that piece working? Or how many models are going to come out of it? So there, there are many questions. <laughs> And right now it's a generalized tool and it's getting a lot of the hype, which is great because it's putting spotlights on things. But then what are the real practical use cases for it? Like you said, where people will pay. Yeah, and I think that there that will always be a kind of a push and pull in that respect. Coming from technology background, I know how hard it is to develop certain kind of solution, be it AI or, I don't know, the next gene editing tools. And without, and truthfully, without that kind of upfront development, it's going to be hard to just come up with that overnight. I think this is where 
why it's so tough to be playing in the deep tech space. And yeah. from technologist perspective, you always have to start with a technology. That's just what it is. But from an investor perspective, I think it makes it even more important to be starting with the actual problems and go look for the best solutions. What are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? I think that's also one of the many things I love about being in venture. You always get to learn new things. At Creative, we're very thesis-driven. So within climate, labor, automation, and health, oftentimes we'll essentially come up with a hypothesis in the area that we think are uh, and has potential as an investment thesis. The latest one that I've been working on is on advanced therapy manufacturing. And we actually just let around to a company. I don't think it has been announced yet, but all the same on the thesis stands. I think everyone knows we're very familiar with therapeutics, right? They're more the one that has been around for much longer, like chemical APIs. Think of all the drugs that you buy when you get prescription. And then a step further is biologics. So insulin would fall in that categories, body and so on. But the the more the categories I call advanced therapies or gene and cell therapies, and I think they're much more up and coming. There has been several setbacks in the past decades or so, but I think one of the white space in that era is I don't think we quite know how to make them efficiently yet, both in terms of quantity and quality. We don't direct, we don't invest in therapeutic opportunities, but the manufacturing of some of these advanced therapy manufacturing is something that we're, we've been quite interested in and done several deep dives in various angles. So yeah, that's my, my, my latest. That's wonderful. So bonus question, everyone gets it. In two years, when we're talking again, how do you see investing having changed or evolved In two years, and now is a really interesting time. (laughs) Now is a a super interesting time. 2023, this is March 2023. Such an interesting time. (laughs) Uh, So how do you see it in March 2025? I didn't do too long because I could have said two years, right? That's really long. Who even knows? (laughs) (laughs) I think... The venture community will still be going strong, truthfully, with all the challenges and all the market incidents of the past couple weeks, which felt like months. Yeah, that, that felt I like think it will. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it happened before that, right? It has already yes. been slowing down to a certain degree. And I think that would just weed out some of the companies that may have been what we call a little bit of a zombie floating along, but not really quite getting where they need it to be. Either, you know, a low digit acquisition or they would just no longer exist. And that is truly the venture model, right? I think it Very it's always comes back to the natural lie. And I think the past few years, 2020 and 2021, 2022 have been, there have been a lot of capitals flown in and we've seen some deals that 
were way overvalued and didn't quite make sense. We pass on those. I think those who have been the most disciplined will survive. And I think it's healthy that both from both GPs and LP perspective, I think it's a good time to be an inventor. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because I think it is having a little bit, I don't want to say a reset, but it's definitely having a realignment, right? Where the real, where's the real value in the companies? What is really being created? Like you said, what problems are you really solving? Um, I look at it as only it's going to get harder as time goes on. Because just as you talked about, like genomes by and some of these biotechnologies that are coming out and AI, and I work with blockchains and quantum computers and things of that nature, it's only going to get more and more uh, difficult from a technological perspective. So it really does come down to what are the problems you're solving? Are you executing well on the problems? Is it really helping in a global manner? Because I just got back from Panama and they're having all these same conversations that we're having here about climate change, about evolving digital transformation, evolving their economies. So what is what does that look like from a global perspective? If you're not, if you have a very narrow viewpoint, I think you're gonna do a disservice to yourself as a company, as a startup. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there will always be certain areas that are more uh, insulated than others and different times will be different sectors right now that seems to be climate but even within some of the higher sectors i was just looking at the data recently because primarily we in, we lead and invest initial check in seed row so we keep a pretty close tabs of how series a fundraising goes especially for our portfolio companies and that has been squeezed quite drastically. I think if we were talking last year, folks in the later stage, and by that I meant like Series B, C, and beyond, had felt the pressure a lot more. And I think right now definitely has trickled down to Series A, which is pretty early. So yeah, I think in a way, natural selection and probably the best one will will survive and companies who are doing well hitting their metrics and solving real problems with real financial incentives for their customers to adopt i'm still seeing some rounds are oversubscribed um with much more reasonable valuations of course but yes i think that will continue no and that's good i think that's a good thing so how do people contact you it's Kalika at creativeventures.bc, pretty straightforward and works. Um, we all try to respond, but again, especially if it's a simply not a fit, that's straightforward. We're always looking for folks to, to bounce ideas, especially as we're developing thesis. I think working with people with different perspectives is really interesting. You talk to different stakeholders and again, learning new things along the way. But yeah, that's where open books. Thank you, Kalika Weissman from Creative Ventures for being our guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Trail Ventures. 
find and invest in the next billion dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin t-r-a-i-l-y-n dot com to find out more. Find us on Apple, on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.